Our scripture for this morning comes from Psalm 121. We continue in our series, Summer in the Psalms. Hear these words. Psalm 121, assurance of God's protection, a song of ascents. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your, coming, your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, Crossroads. My name is uh, Jacob Lancaster. I'm one of the interns here at Boone United Methodist Church. And I'm excited to be preaching on this Psalm 121 this day as we continue in our Summer of Psalms series. So w- would you pray with me? Holy God, we come into your presence this morning in worship because we know you have a word to say to us. God, we say so many things. So now let us listen. Let us hear the promise of your presence with us, both this and every day. Amen. One of the difficult things that I have found in life is that it seems like when I have the best time, a best experience, a mountaintop experience, it seems like the thing that comes right after that experience is one of the most difficult times in my life. Let me, let me explain how that happened for me one time. Right at the beginning of the pandemic, or at least when social distancing started in the U.S., the last thing that I did was I got to go on a trip with a group from the chapel community at my undergrad, and we went down to Mepkin Abbey. Has anyone been there? I know Jeff led a trip. Okay, maybe, maybe not. Um, anyway, we, when we were down there, we got to experience the monastic order uh, for prayer and for life, and then we spent some time in Charleston learning about what has happened in Charleston, the story of Charleston, and how God has been working in the people of Charleston's lives. And one, it, was so, it was such a great experience. This was my last semester of, of college. This was during my spring break. And I was there with my chaplain and the assistant chaplain. They were leading the trip. And I had grown close with them. And then most of the people, I think I might have been the only person on that trip that knew every other person that go, went on that trip. So this, this was a great time of connection and encouragement for me. And then... We were driving back to campus, and we literally pulled in the parking lot. We were, we were probably like 30 feet from the parking space we ended up parking at. And we, my university sent out an email that we were going to extend our spring break for one more week. And I was, at first, I was like, oh, great. This sounds good. I've got some projects. Since I was on this trip, I didn't get to see my family. So I happily packed up. I went home, and uh, I was like, this will be fine. I'll see people in a week. But... As you may be aware, that week didn't really come. Um, that the pandemic uh, meant that my, the last, my last semester of college sent me home permanently. And that was a time of discouragement and disconnection. I was on this mountaintop experience of encouragement and connection, and then I found myself discouraged and isolated. 
I needed a helper. I needed some way to be in connection with God, to continue on the journey after the good times had ended. And so as we're, as we're continuing in this psalm series, we come to this Psalm 121. And I think this psalm is a little different than some of the other ones we have gone through. Uh, we've, we've talked about psalms of praise. We talked about psalms of anger, even anger at God. Uh, last week we were talking, if you've been joining us this summer, we were talking about Psalm 13, which is this cry, How long, O Lord? And, but the thing about this psalm, it's more of a declaration. Last week, when we're, and some of the other psalms we've been looking at, it's been a lot of the psalmist, if that's David or someone else, talking and expressing like, listen, God, this is what's going on in my life. This is the journey I've been on. I need your help. Well, here, we don't, we don't have the same sort of journey. We have God's help. We have a declaration about who God is and what sort of helper we have in God. So here's the good news of this psalm. It's a declaration. We're going to receive it. And then we'll see how we can respond to that. God is the protector who will not forsake us. If you look at the inscription of this psalm, it it says a song of ascent. Psalms 120 through 134 all have this labeled song of ascent. And we think that these psalms were often used in worship. Um, You might remember one thing that we've mentioned throughout this series is that the psalms were a worship book for the people of Israel. Even Jesus would have used these in worship, just like like we use our songs, Reckless Love, all these great things that we declare how we are, we declare our praise to God in these spaces. This particular psalm seems like it's meant for a journey. Um, I'm going to go with the reading that we're saying this psalm is uh, a blessing upon someone who is leaving Jerusalem. So let's let's imagine, let's picture, picture this. Picture that you are an ancient Israelite, 2,700 years ago. I think I did my math right to put this in the right time setting. Um, You live far away from Jerusalem, so you've made a long journey to get to Jerusalem where you can celebrate who God is and be in connection with your fellow Israelites all over the place. And you're filled with joy, you're filled with praise of God, and, and then the time ends, and it's time for you to return home. And so you're looking, you're looking throughout all of Jerusalem, and you, you see the great hills and mountains. Maybe you see the desert. And you look out there and you say, man, I felt centered here. I felt connected with God, connected with my fellow God followers here in Jerusalem, and now I have to go home. And you look at these hills, these mighty hills, and you feel so small. And you think about the long journey you have ahead of you. And you ask yourself, how am I going to go on? My faith brought me here, but what's going to sustain me on the journey away from this place? In this psalm, if, if we imagine this in a closing worship gathering for, for these people, um, I, I imagine a worship leader who, who, who is wise and knows about the ups and down experiences of our lives, speaking this blessing for, for the one who cries out, I lift my eyes to the hills, from where will my help come from? The worship leader says, oh, well, my help comes from the Lord. He's the one, he doesn't slumber, he doesn't sleep. He, he is here all day and all night. He protects us. And so this is a, a psalm for the journey. This, this uh, kind of letdown, this moment of uh, kind of just like when you feel something has been taken away is almost unavoidable when, you're, when you have a, an, an amazing mountaintop connection, a, a time where you are able to worship God 
and you feel like, you know, I'm, I'm up here with God in the temple. I'm up here on this mountain. Nothing can, can tear me down. And then we have to descend into the valley. We have to go through the day-to-day life things. And it's difficult because sometimes when we leave worship, when we enter the real world, it seems like everything has changed. It seems like this God that we prayed about and, and praised and, and heard declared in Scripture that the God who won't abandon us, the God who has died for us and, raises, and has been raised again, inviting us in the news of life, it seems like that message no longer applies when we go into the journey. So maybe it's easy for you to relate to this opening cry. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come from? I lift my eyes to that which makes me feel small. I ponder where shall I find safety? Have you experienced a moment like this? What makes you feel small? What makes you feel worried about how you go on? During my time in Boone, one of the things that I've learned is that you almost cannot be a Boone resident if you don't like to go hiking. Is this, was this, am, I, am I correct about this? Okay, I think so. Um, and so one of the things I've been able to do, um, I've been able to explore some of the local hiking spots. And one of the ones, uh, Savannah, our communications intern, um, took me to a Rough Ridge. Anyone been there? Okay, popular place. Yeah, um, and we, we went through this hike, pretty steep, beautiful. It feels good to be climbing on rocks. Uh, makes you feel like you did something, and it's only like half a mile. So you like get up there, and you're like, I did so much. And you, it's not really, it only took like 25 minutes. But uh, one of the things that you should know about me, and this sometimes affects my hiking experiences, I'm not really a heights person. And so I remember um, uh, Savannah and her other friend who had gone hiking, um, they were like out there on the ledge looking out, and I'm kind of just like standing back there. Um, I'm holding the dog we brought, I'm just like, Yep, there it is. It's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Um, But I think one of the things, like in reflection, one of the things that makes me like nervous about heights is because I realize how small I am. I look out, I'm standing on a ledge, uh, on a cliff, and I see this just vast expanse of, of open air and trees, and I'm like, Man, if, if I fell, like, I've, I've got no say in the matter. Like, um, I'm just sitting there on that ledge saying, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall. Um, but but I, I look out and I feel small and insignificant. And I feel like I have nothing that would sustain me in this big space. And we have a lot of different mountains and hills that we encounter. Some days, you know, I'm sure some of you can relate with this. Sometimes the things we do, whether we're at work or at school, it feels like we have this mountain or hill of work to do. And I know when I get, when I have that, I feel stressed. I feel insignificant. I don't see how I'm going to get through with it. Other hills we might see, uh, there, there's another hill that may make y'all worried. Um, no matter your political persuasion, maybe Capitol Hill makes you feel worried at times. There's this massive amount of political and military and financial power, and you see all of that going on, and they're playing these big world games like with other governments, and I'm just like, well, what am I to do? Just this one little individual that's scared of heights in a massive world. We've got many heels in our lives that can make us feel small, that can, that can make us worry about how we are to make the journey out of the mountaintop experience. What do we do in one of those heel-staring moments? 
What do we do when we don't know where our help is going to come from? Now, I do think that most of this psalm is actually a declaration about who God is, about who our help is. But one of the things that I hope you have learned if you've been in this psalm series with us is that the psalms help us be honest about what we're going through. There's no denying. This, there's, this psalm doesn't start at verse 2 and say, my help comes from the Lord, and this is what God's like. It opens up with this cry, God, I'm looking out at all these hills. I don't know where I'm going to find help. We can be honest. We can honestly name where we are. But the good news, the hope of this psalm, is that that cry is heard. Some of the other psalms we looked at, they don't really seem to have an answer. They seem to have the psalmist or us, as we pray with people, just saying, here's what I'm going through. And that, is, that can be therapeutic. But in here, we hear a response. The good news is that this cry is not the end of the story. After this cry, there's, there's a reply. Maybe, maybe sometimes that reply is even coming from us inside ourselves. We say, I don't know where my help's going to come from. And then we remember this faith that we have, this hope that we have been centered and formed in in worship. We can say, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. What, what fear should we have of these mountains, these hills around us? Because we have the God who made them on our side. This God is our helper. This God who holds the whole world and all the powers that are in the world. This God is with us, even when we stare frightened at the journey ahead of us. The rest of the psalm goes on to name just how deep and wide God's protection is. Even when our feet feel like they're falling underneath us, we have this promise, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God's attention never wavers. Now there's a connection in this story back to the uh, story of Elijah, a mighty prophet of the kingdom of Israel. We hear um, throughout the psalm, it's naming who God is and what sort of protector God is, but there's kind of an implied message about, well, so God's this way. Other protectors that we might seek, they're not. They can't do this. And so uh, in the story of Elijah back in 1 Kings 18, Elijah was kind of being threatened and challenged by the evil king and queen of the time. It sounds like an adventure tale or fantasy story. Um, the evil king and queen Ahab and Jezebel were championing the, the god Baal as the one that Israel should worship rather than the one true god. And so Elijah ended up on another hill, um, Mount Carmel ended up in a showdown with 450 prophets of Baal. And the challenge was for Elijah, just himself, and Baal, and all the priests of Baal, of 450 priests, all backed by the royal authority, to pray and see which God was actually able to light a sacrifice that they had set up. And so Elijah was, was kind. Um, maybe he felt small, but he certainly didn't seem small in this story. Um, he, he let the, the, the Baalite priests go first. Um, and they prayed, and they offered some incense, and they did other things. But uh, nothing happened. And Elijah was teasing, was teasing them. He said, well, maybe your God's gone away on a trip. Maybe your God just had to take a nap. 
But then what happens is that the God that called Elijah to that mountain did not abandon God, did not abandon Elijah. When Elijah actually poured water all over the sacrifice and all of the altar, so much so that there was just like a pool of water sitting around the altar he'd set up. And then God acted at, at Elijah's prayer, bringing down divine fire that took the sacrifice and even burned up all the water around there. Other gods, other protectors may sleep, but this God that we worship, Yahweh, the creator of the world, is the one who will not leave us. Our God shows up. We have a protector who will not forsake us. Even though the priests of Baal, with all their royal backing, seem to have the numbers on the mountain, their might was no match for the God who made the mountain they stood on. Even when we see these heels, these intimidating entities and powers in our world, they don't have control because the creator of the world is on our side. For it's not, that only, it's not only that God doesn't slumber. We don't just have a God that is available. Like, it's not like God just has, you know, I don't, I don't know if y'all have seen this. One of my uh, uh, professors at school has this Outlook, like, calendar scheduling thing set up. So you can go in and schedule a time to meet with him, and then he doesn't have to go through the whole email chain. Well, God, God doesn't just have that. God, God hasn't made himself, hasn't uh, uh, created office hours. Our God instead is already present and willing and available to intercede on our behalf at all times. The next section in this psalm tells us this. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. The rest of the psalm expands this sense of God's protection. We don't just have a God who doesn't have to sleep. We have a God who's here with us day and night, protecting us from our enemies during the day and the scourges of the night. What threat are created things when God, the creator who made these things, is on our side, is protecting us? Even in the face of evil and death, God is holding our life. So the one who has been on this mountaintop worship experience, who's connected with God and connected with their fellow worshipers, does not have to fear the departure, the in-between times, for our God is one who protects us when we're coming to worship, when we're in worship and when we're going from worship. I'm reminded of one of my favorite passages in Scripture uh, from the book of Romans. And Paul writes, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Nothing can separate us from God, because God has made everything. God is in everything. We can even remember that even as Jesus followers, not even death can threaten our safety in the one who has created us. God is forever holding us. God is the protector who will not forsake us. This is our hope. This is our comfort, even in the face of the mighty hills, the things which make us feel small and impotent. In those places, God will protect us. 
Now, at this point in the sermon, you may be saying, well, Jacob, this sounds great. This sounds like inspiring and something that I want to tweet or put on Facebook um, or Instagram. Maybe put like a fun mountain scene behind it. And you might say, well, but, but Jacob, let's be honest. These heels are tall. Is, is God really in control? You might say, hey, Jacob, there's, there's so much suffering in the world. Or I've experienced so much suffering in my life. It doesn't really seem like God is in control. I'm not sure that God is protecting me. I can't, I can't see it. Now, I'm not here to dismiss your pain. And I can't make the tough times go away. But this is the hope we have. This is the hope that has been declared by God through God's people throughout the ages. We don't hope for the things which we already have. Hope is a commitment to this alternate vision. In worship, as, as we gather in worship, we sing praises. We declare who God is. because And in that space, God is shaping us to be people who live in a way that recognizes the true order of things. That God is on the throne and God is taking control. But it isn't always easy to hold on to that hope. If we had read a little further in Elijah's story today, um, well, one impressive thing, right after this this mountaintop showdown, um, Elijah ends up racing a chariot down the mountain on foot, and he wins. He wins, y'all. It's crazy. But um, after that, Elijah's had all this experience. He's experienced God mightily, and then he kind of gets into a state of confusion, even, even depression, and he needs encouragement. So what hope do we have as we leave our journey? What hope can we have that God is truly with us? Well, in the Gospels, we meet Jesus, our promised Savior. But the the powers of the world took Jesus to the hill of Calvary, and Jesus was arrested at night by those who would rather kill him than hear his message of love, justice, and peace. And so on the cross, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where would Jesus' help come from? As a disciple, when we look at this heel, when we look at this cross where our God dies, it is certainly enough to make us doubt our hope for our journey. And it's real. God dies on the cross. This is something we cannot forget easily. But we also know this is not the end of the story. We know that God is on the heel, arms spread out, dying, But glory be to God because Jesus rises triumphantly from the grave, ready to protect us. But you see, also, this God who's willing to be our protector, Jesus, Jesus knows where we've been. Jesus has already been in the places of suffering, in the difficult times of our journey. He's experienced it all. This is our protector. It's a protector who is always present and always able to act and always able to intercede, but also a protector who understands, who understands where we are and is not going to abandon us. Our confidence in this hope is that death does not have the final say. Even the heel of Calvary could not have the final word over Jesus, our loyal protector and companion. Friends in Christ, hear this hope. Cling to it. Death is not the end. The size of the hills are not bigger than our Savior. Though we look into a world of suffering, let this not discourage you. Take heart, for Jesus has overcome the world. And the same God who works great miracles for Elijah, the same God who works great miracles for all who pray this psalm, the same God who has been raised from 
from death into life. This God will be with you, keeping your life, keeping your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore.